This is part two of Candace Owens lied about Israel and Hamas and Tucker let her get away with it. Hey, this is Doc Washburn. Welcome to the Doc Washburn Show. We push back against the Uniparty and Deep State and let you in on the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com, click on the button that says become a patron. Also, please remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. And make sure you check out our new conservative sports podcast, Red Pill Sports, with my friend Donnie Copeland, which drops Tuesday evenings at 11 p.m. Central. And check out the Medicare Funcast with my friend Brian Coolis. Medicare info if you need it, music, memories, and pop culture if you don't, on the Medicare Funcast YouTube channel. Now, if you haven't yet listened to episode 416, which was part one of Candace Owens lied about Israel and Hamas and Tucker let her get away with it, I would strongly urge you to go listen to that one before you listen to this episode because that one sets the foundation for this one. For this one to make sense, you need to listen to that one first. All right, picking up where we left off, at the end of episode one, and there's plenty to go. There's plenty more content. I've been working on this for an awfully long time. On October 28th, there was a viral video of hundreds of thousands of pro-Palestine protesters in London. Let's face it, pro-Palestine means, means pro-Hamas. You and I both know that. So Candace Owens retweets that viral video and says, interesting thing happening here. People are not accepting the media narrative about what is happening in the Middle East despite the insistent rhetoric from government officials. Gee, I wonder which side she's on. Hmm? Now the great quantum flux over on Twitter responds with, Six things to consider. Number one, 99.7% of the Middle East is Muslim. 0.3% is Jewish. Number two, the current conflict is not about land. It's about Islam's religious conviction to destroy every other faith. Number three, Turkey and the Levant were 90% Christian. Persia was 90% Zoroastrian. Afghanistan, Pakistan, India, and Indonesia were Hindu and Buddhist. These areas were barbarically, ethnically cleansed by Arab conquests. Number four. Many so-called moderate Muslims enjoy the prosperity and freedoms of modern society. They heavily regulate extremism in their own countries as they know its dangers. Hence, no Muslim country will take Arab refugees from Gaza. Number five, however many of these so-called moderates are swayed to support extremists due to their shared core religious convictions. Number six, 
The West needs to decide if they will continue accepting people whose religious convictions drive them to support jihad, beheading babies, and raping children. Leftists need to decide if this is truly part of their ideological base or not. But then, but then, Quantum Flux over on Twitter has some extra background on this. Ten things you weren't taught about the conflict in Israel. Number one, Arabs launched a massive world conquest 1,400 years ago, taking most of the Middle East and much of Africa, Europe, and Asia. They ethnically and culturally cleansed everywhere they went. Number two, Rome and Mecca created state religions borrowing heavily from existing traditions. Both empires sought to control minds, institutionalizing xenophobia and persecuting minorities. Number three, state temples often replaced sacred sites in conquered areas. Zeus was replaced in Jerusalem and later mosques. Thousands of temples were destroyed or replaced across the Middle East, India, and Europe. Ancient Judean kings previously destroyed goddess temples. Well, it's probably a good thing, though. (laughs) That's a whole other show. Number four, the West has not exorcised its hatred of Jews and pagans institutionalized by Rome. The global Muslim society is openly and brazenly anti-Semitic and xenophobic. Number five, Judeans are indigenous to Judea. Arabs are from Arabia. The conflict isn't about land. It's about political control using religion and hate. Number six, Arabs in Judea are part of general Arab culture, which controls over 99% of the Middle East. Palestina was the Roman name for Judea, which the British adopted and Arabs only started using in the 1960s. After World War I and the Ottomans fall, the League of Nations and British rededicated the mandate as Jewish homeland. At the last minute, 77% was given to Arabs, now Jordan. The Arabs wanted 100%, and have been fighting for it ever since. Number eight, the Arabs near Israel are used by the greater Arab world as disposable pawns to ethnically cleanse other faiths. They're indoctrinated with with extremism from youth. Number nine, the Arab world sees this militancy as useful but don't want it in their own societies, generally not accepting them as refugees. Number 10, the conflict is fueled by hate indoctrination and religious intolerance. Eliminating this is the only way to peace. The higher meaning of jihad is said to be self-perfection. May we aspire to evolve ourselves and our societies toward peace, tolerance, and mutual prosperity. 
Wow. That was a whole lot to chew on, wasn't it? I mean, and you know, you can agree with 80 to 90% of it and then look at 10 to 20% of it and go, okay, wait a minute. But anyway, I think most of it was pretty good. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, even Trump staffer, the crazy Laura Loomer, responded in a troubled manner about Candace Owens creeping ever closer to openly supporting Hamas. After significant pushback of her support for the pro-Hamas rally in London, Candace Owens tweeted out this. She said, For those who are upset that I am sharing slash discussing this, number one, this is a sizable protest in a place that I consider a second home. My children are British, and we are headed to London today. Number two, I'll share and discuss what I want. Well, so will I, Ms. Owens. So will I. That same day, she tweets, PSA, smearing people doesn't work anymore. Nobody gives a expletive deleted. Enter in a productive argument or shut up. Now, I wonder if she will be able to live up to this rule that she has announced for others. Then, Candace retweets Andy Nyo, who shares a video which shows chants of Alu Akbar, which means Allah is greater, break out near the Winston Churchill statue and Big Ben at the London-Palestine protest. The large crowd, which features... Some speeches from some Labor Party officials is demanding Israel cease its war with Hamas. Oh, and by the way, Candace Owens retweets that about the chance of Alo Akbar and the demands that Israel cease its war with Hamas. She retweets that with no comment. How about that? Still on October 28th, three solid weeks after the massacre of over 1,300 people by Hamas, Candace Owens dances closer to the edge, tweeting, To be clear, I have many friends that are pro-Israel and friends that are pro-Palestine. I refuse to pretend that any of them are pro-genocide simply because the mob on either side demands it. Grow up, all of you. No, 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 no. No, Candace. The overwhelming majority of Gaza, the so-called Palestine, supports Hamas, supports the jihad, supports October 7th. But you have friends who are pro-Palestine. Well, that's good to know. I wouldn't hire you either. The Twitter response from a guy who goes by Dave's Metaverse is edifying. He says, read the Hamas, and PLO charters, Candace. You should know better than that. They are both genocidal. And that's true, Dave's metaverse. But Ms. Candace Owens is uninterested in the truth. On October 29th, Candace goes into 100% yikes territory. 
tweeting this. She says, International liberalism following World War II has been an abject failure. If America doesn't have to follow the rules or respect UN votes, then the mask has dropped and countries will resort back to national sovereignty and the laws of the jungle. Then she quotes a Muslim who said, might will be right. Wow. Well, so much for American sovereignty, I guess. Candace Owens doesn't know any better than to call for us to be a vassal state of the United Nations. Something tells me that if Tucker Carlson had seen that one particular tweet right there, he would not have done such a softball interview with her on November 15th. You see, Tucker is definitely no fan of globalism, but Candace Owens obviously is. Now, let me just share with you a sampling of some of the responses to her love letter to the UN. The great Justin Hart says, dangerously ignorant. Is it your assertion that the U.S. should adhere to every vote that the U.N. upholds? Please, please, please learn how ridiculous this is, Candace. American Pearl says, why would we respect the votes of a blatantly anti-Semitic organization that puts terrorism sponsors and countries with atrocious human rights records on their so-called Human Rights Council? National sovereignty protects us from the laws of the jungle by letting us make our own laws. Sheriff Roy Coffey says, I've noticed Hamas doesn't follow international law. Son of Liberty says, I prefer national sovereignty to this any day. You're sounding like a globalist. Do you realize that? And he reminds one and all that the chair of the UN Human Rights Council Social Forum is now Iran. And there's a link to an embedded video of Hillel Neuer chairman of UN Watch, asking the UN, why did you name the Islamic Republic of Iran as chair of the UN Human Rights Council Social Forum starting on November 2nd? How can you elevate a regime that beats, blinds, tortures, and rapes women who demand their rights? Where is the logic? Where is the morality? The great Charles Weber from South Florida reads Candace the Riot Act, pointing out from 2013 to now, there have been 45 UN resolutions at the Human Rights Council condemning Israel. There have been zero UN resolutions at the Human Rights Council condemning Hamas. But please tell me more about us respecting UN votes. Well, the very next day, Candace Owens has the gall to tweet out, I still do not support sending a single American son, daughter, or dollar overseas to aid in a foreign war. And I'm getting really exhausted with people using emotional arguments to try to explain 
Why, it's our perpetual duty to put Americans last. But Candace, you just endorsed putting Americans last the day before by saying we should submit to the U.N. And now you are again insisting on putting Americans last by saying we shouldn't send some special ops guys over there to rescue our hostages, American citizens? Then, Candace turns around and says, I think you misunderstood my tweet. The UN was created in large part due to the United States pushing this false idea that international liberalism could work. It can't. The UN has always been a joke, and the U.S. has always known that, Hence, the reason we ourselves openly decide when to adhere to or ignore their policies. America has been in decline since we took on policing the world following World War II. International liberalism has failed. It's time to stop this performative overseas concept and return to national sovereignty. So, no wonder she likes that Vivek Ramaswamy guy who says he's running for president, they both do 180s all the time and act like they didn't say what they did say just the day before. On October 31st, 24 days after the Hamas massacre of over 1,300 people in Israel, which she still refuses to condemn, Candace Owens tweets out, don't defend evil, it won't age well. Now, a guy who calls himself Chatman217 over there on Twitter responds, says the woman who interviews Andrew Tate and prostitutes while downplaying anti-Semitism. Oh, yes, children. Candace Owens and Tucker Carlson both did very polite interviews with Muslim Andrew Tate, who slams Christianity on a regular basis. And... Candace recently did interview a prostitute. You can't make this stuff up. Right in the middle of the war, October 30th, Candace Owens tweeted out this. She says, Tomorrow I sit down with the sex worker who believes she saves people's marriages by sleeping with their spouses. Credit due to the New York Post for putting this therapist on my radar. And thank you to the Whatever podcast for introducing me to her. I mean, you can't make this kind of thing up. It's just too disgusting for words. She just called a prostitute a therapist. And we're supposed to take Candace Owens seriously about anything after that? Wow. All right. So we have a 20-second clip from a speech that a United States congressman from Florida named Brian Mast gave on November 1st. And this is what he said. As a whole, I would encourage the other side to not so lightly throw around the idea of innocent Palestinian civilians, as is frequently said. Uh, I don't think we would so lightly throw around the term innocent Nazi civilians during World War II. All right, so a guy who goes by the name Yasher Ali and writes for a liberal rag called the Huffington Post said, 
This is absolutely sick stuff from Brian Mast. And if there's any decency left in Congress, a resolution will be passed to condemn his remarks, and he'll be removed from the Foreign Affairs Committee. I'm not naive enough to think he would resign. Now, before you get as bent out of shape as old Yasher here, put it into context. Remember that the overwhelming majority of people who live in Gaza support Hamas and specifically support the massacre of October 7th of this year. So that puts Congressman Brian Mast's comments into context as far as I'm concerned, but that won't do for Candace Owens, no, no, who's really beginning to sound like a Hamas apologist. She responded, yeah, this was disgusting, utterly dehumanizing. Of course, there are innocent civilians on either side of every conflict, and we should not forget that. This is shameful, inhumane rhetoric. Well, not very many in Gaza, though, Candace. By all available evidence, not very many. A guy named Dennis Collins responded, You didn't hear about the phone intercept with a guy bragging to his mother about how many Jews he had killed with his bare hands that day? Asking if she was proud of him? Now, Candace Owens' response is profoundly disturbing. And it's going to take some unpacking. And that is coming up in mere moments right here on The Doc Washburn Show. If you've tried to buy a car recently, you realize you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Auto comes in. Red River Auto is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Auto wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. Red River Auto Group has perfected the online buying process. Just go to redriverauto.com and pick from hundreds of new and used vehicles. You can purchase a vehicle online. If you have any questions, one of Red River's trained experts will help you through the whole process. Red River Auto makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom. The dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door, no matter where you live in the continental U.S., redriverauto.com. You'll be glad you did. I want to tell you about the best-kept secret in American healthcare. Are you having problems with sinuses and allergies? Are you experiencing dizziness, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar, fibromyalgia, eczema, psoriasis, migraines? The Arkansas Upper Cervical Center might be able to help you. Let me tell you how. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, or C1, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain. When that happens, your central nervous system isn't able to communicate with the rest of your body as it's designed to do. I had severe hay fever for five or six weeks every spring all my life and migraines year-round. When I got my atlas adjusted, the hay fever went away and the migraines went away for good. Whatever malady you're suffering from, do yourself a favor. Call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009 for a free consultation. 
They've helped so many people I know. Please call them to see if they can help you. That number for your free consultation is 501-279-2009. If you're outside Central Arkansas, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com. Click on the tab that says find a doctor near you, and I sure hope you can. Do you want to drop your big liberal cell phone carrier? Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless carrier, is a perfect solution. Patriot Mobile has exceptional nationwide coverage and uses the same towers the main carriers use. Patriot Mobile guarantees your coverage. Patriot Mobile has plans to fit any budget, along with great discounts for our veteran and first responder heroes, as well as multi-line users. And switching to Patriot Mobile usually only takes 15 to 20 minutes. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you shift your support from the leftist progressive agendas of Big Mobile to the Christian conservative causes of Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile donates a portion of every dollar earned to organizations that fight for causes you care about. A portion of every dollar they earn is given back to the causes that support organizations that fight for First Amendment religious freedom, freedom of speech, Second Amendment right to bear arms, sanctity of life, and the needs of our veterans and first responders. Now more than ever, it's important to band together and support companies that share our conservative values. Switching is easy. Just do what I did. Go to PatriotMobile.com. Or call their U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. Make sure you use promo code DOC, that's D-O-C, for free activation. All right, so where we left off, a very troubling question. A guy named Dennis Collins had responded to uh, Candace Owens being so upset about the idea that... uh, Congressman, who's a veteran, by the way, might think that uh, it would be kind of hard to find innocent civilians in Palestine. So this guy named Dennis Collins had said, you didn't hear about the phone intercept? With a guy bragging to his mother about how many Jews he had killed with his bare hands on that day, talking about October 7th, asking if she was proud of him? Candace Owens' response is profoundly disturbing, and it's going to take some unpacking. She says, no, I did not hear it, but I don't doubt it exists or that it was indeed horrific. I have seen despicable, inhumane things on the Internet from either sides of this conflict. For some reason, she says either sides instead of either side. That's, I guess it's a typo. It's just weird. She says, but the shameful conduct of some should never be used to justify the dehumanization of an entire group to suggest that there are no innocent civilians, Israeli, Palestinian, or otherwise, is genocidal rhetoric. It signals that it would be fine to kill every infant and child of a particular race because they are nothing but eventual terrorists. It is maniacal and wrong. She says there are always innocent civilians in every war. Brian Mast is not some college campus kid or a teenager on TikTok. He's a sitting U.S. congressman, and his words carry weight. Okay, let's start at the beginning with her statement, no, I did not hear it. For a supposedly conservative commentator, or even a liberal commentator for that matter, to profess ignorance, to say she is unaware that jihadists were calling home 
on October 7th and celebrating with their mothers and fathers how many Jews they had killed to say you didn't know? How could this possibly be true? I'll tell you how. Because she didn't want to know. There's an old saying, I've got my mind made up, don't confuse me with the facts. And that is the address on Candace Owens' philosophical mailbox. That is where she lives. She's determined not to criticize Muslim jihadists like Hamas. Obviously, being willing to actually look at the evidence would make that much more difficult for her. Okay, next, she says, but I don't doubt it exists or that it was indeed horrific. I've seen despicable, inhumane things on the Internet from either sides of this conflict. You see what she just did there? Either side? That's right, kids. It's time to play moral equivalence. As far as Candace, Amber, Owens, Farmer is concerned, the IDF is just as guilty as Hamas, and she absolutely positively refuses to consider any evidence to the contrary. Now, someone who goes by the name Orwellian Empire on Twitter responds, Candace will be the next squad member referring to the female U.S. representatives Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and Ayanna Presley, otherwise known as the Hamas Caucus of the U.S. House of Representatives. To this comment, a guy who calls himself Trump's cousin responded, being opposed to dehumanizing millions of people doesn't make you a member of the squad, actually. I support Israel and hope they root out Hamas. But if the dehumanization of the Palestinians becomes official policy, I will not support such soulless individuals. And Candace jumped back in, saying without a trace of irony, well said. I don't see how anyone can think dehumanizing innocent civilians, children included, is a good way to keep or win people over to your side. Well, now, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Ms. Owens. Let's think about that. Hamas dehumanized innocent civilians, children included, by murdering their parents right in front of them, by torturing the children to death. And that's still not enough for you to utter one word of criticism against them. But you sure don't mind criticizing Americans who do. Don't think we don't notice, Candace Owens. By the way, a gentleman named Perry Bolmstein responded to Candace saying, I wish you a lifetime of all the pain and suffering Jewish families are feeling right now. Pain exacerbated by your tedious, pretentious gibberish about, quote, your side, unquote. You're not fooling anyone. There's a lot of anger out there. It's understandable if you have eyes to see, but Candace Owens appears to be spiritually blind. Now remember, Tucker Carlson himself is going to swoop in to try to save the day when we get up to November 15th in the timeline of this whole saga. 
So Elliot Resnick tweets to Candace, With your logic, America was wrong to drop the atom bomb. I respectfully disagree. Candace Owens responds, With my logic, innocent Japanese civilians were killed when that atom bomb was dropped. They were not all deemed future terrorists, and their deaths were sad and awful. Again, this is Candace, don't confuse me with the facts, Owens. Don't tell me that sometimes civilians get killed in wars. Don't tell me a lot of them may not be so innocent after all. Don't tell me that the ones who don't support their governments are sometimes collateral damage, and that if we make sure that none of them could be even accidentally killed in wartime, then we will never be able to defeat the enemy because my name is Candace Owens and my middle names are Don't Confuse Me With The Facts. Case in point, on November 3rd, Candace Owens tweeted, No government anywhere has a right to commit a genocide ever. There's no justification for a genocide. I can't believe this even needs to be said or is even considered the least bit controversial to state. So, obviously, Israel is not committing genocide. Anyone who is willing to look at the available evidence, Israel bends over backwards to avoid civilian casualties in Gaza while Hamas, their leaders, have publicly stated that civilian casualties are useful to their war effort. Anyone knows Israel is not committing genocide. They're doing the exact opposite. But we're dealing with Candace, don't confuse me with the facts, Owens. So she is using Hamas talking points. Let's just say it. Candace Owens has become a mouthpiece for Hamas. So I wonder if Tucker Carlson's staff did the least little bit of research before he interviewed her. It's hard to imagine they wouldn't. Did he just ignore his own staff's research? Remember, we will get to his attempt to bail her out, Lord willing. So Dave Rubin, Rubin Report, responds to Candace Owens saying this, Well, as I'm sure you know, Candace, the Palestinian population has multiplied five times in a few decades, but thank you for taking a strong stand against Hamas's stated genocide of the Jews, which is in their charter. And he shows a chart that the population of Gaza and the West Bank has gone from a million to over five million in just 50 years. Now remember, Candace has criticized the Israeli government saying they reacted to the October 7th massacre emotionally, and people shouldn't do that. They shouldn't react to things emotionally. That's what Candace said. But her reaction to Dave Rubin sounds downright emotional. She says, in short, if the blanket statement that genocide is wrong upsets you in any way, then you need to check yourself. I said exactly what I meant, and I won't be backing down or apologizing or further clarifying the statement. So again, she accuses Israel of committing genocide and she doesn't want to admit it. But never fear. 
That's not all Candace said in response to Reuben. Here's more. What's amazing about this is that I did not name any country in this tweet. I simply stated that genocide is wrong always. This is not a controversial stance. Interesting how you interpreted it. Dave Rubin responded sarcastically, Yes, and I thanked you for your strong stance against Hamas. I salute you. Candace Owens, clearly upset, responded, Me, genocide is always bad. Dave Rubin, why won't you condemn Hamas? Absolutely demented. So the first response to Candace is from a guy who goes by Chris Opines. And he says, Palestinian activists are calling Israel a genocidal nation right now all over the globe. Candace just randomly issues a tweet saying no nation has the right to commit genocide. She gets called on the obvious implication, and her response was, Did I say Israel? Get out of here. Chris points out the nation part because obviously Candace knows Israel is a nation and Gaza slash Palestine isn't. Jacob Paul responds. She knew exactly what she was doing and then acts shocked when someone responds to exactly what she meant. First, what she, said, what she initially said is vile and evil, and her response is pathetic and disgusting. Amen, brother. Next, on November 6th, Queen Rania of Jordan said in a widely publicized interview, and I quote, this is not about religion, it is about politics. And what we've seen in the recent years is that the charge of anti-Semitism being weaponized in order to silence any criticism of Israel. Let me be very clear, being pro-Palestinian is not being anti-Semitic, unquote. But of course, Queen Rania of Jordan lies. Hamas has made it quite clear that it is about religion for them, and of course, to announce you are pro-Palestinian means that you are not just anti-Semitic, you are pro-Hamas. You agree with the phrase they use. Not just members of Hamas, by the way. The phrase they use, from the river to the sea, Palestine shall be free. You endorse the mass murder of the Jews. So here are some pull quotes from Candace Owens' long-winded answer. She said, I agree with Queen Rania's assertion that anti-Semitism is being weaponized in order to silence critics and bully people into compliance. This is the same behavior we saw from Black Lives Matter activists. When the threat of being labeled a racist or a white supremacist was being used to shut down legitimate questions about the funding and intentions of the organization, which in time proved to be fraudulent. I have never been a person that is fearful to state the truth and to call out the people in organizations that are engaging in silencing tactics. Even when the cost of doing so meant I was caricatured by my own community as a so-called race traitor. We have a right to hear any and every political debate, Free from the threat of smears, my position on this has not and will not shift ever. More speech, not less. Well, now that's weird because 
People smearing other people is part of speech, right? But she wants to be free from the threat of smears, but she wants more speech. Which is it, Candace? Come on, make up your mind. Anyway, some guy who goes by Icy over there on the Twitter says, whether you're a controlled opposition or not, your consistency is welcomed. So Candace responds, I always defend speech, even the kind I disagree with. Wait, you just want, said you want to be free from the threat of smears. Anyway, she says, I do not think America should send money overseas to fight foreign wars, and I never accept the lies from politicians that we do so in an effort to spread democracy. Activists pulling down signs of missing-slash-dead Israeli children is positively abhorrent and evil. I cannot comprehend it. Activists glossing over dead Palestinian children as if their lives mean less is similarly abhorrent and evil. I cannot comprehend it. Genocide. No matter which government expresses its aim, is always indefensible. Protect civilians. Fight terrorism. Those are my views. Fascinating. So she'll condemn people pulling down the signs of missing or dead Israeli children, but not the murderers and hostage takers themselves. And she continues the Hamas talking point, the blood libel, that the Israeli government is committing genocide. The great education activist and investigative journalist Sloan Rackmuth out of North Carolina responds, nobody has glossed over dead Palestinian children and self-defense is not genocide, I will assume you're ignorant rather than a liar. And then I jumped in. I responded, I wish I could still assume that. But she has given me much, but she has given much too much evidence to the contrary. Candace Owens has an unhinged follow-up to her genocide blood libel. She tweets out, And to those of you who will inevitably attempt to further smear me, threaten me, or in utmost hysteria, attempt to destroy what you perceive to be my livelihood because I will not acquiesce to your radicalism, let me remind you, you cannot destroy what you did not create. I lived through more before the age of seven than most of you will likely ever endure in your lifetime. Your mean tweets make me laugh. A woman who goes by Twitter Chica responds, People were surprised when you stated Muslims in Israel can only live in the Muslim section in Jerusalem. Because you're usually so well-informed and knowledgeable, it didn't seem you could say something so completely untrue by accident. Whereas if that statement came from the current president, people would have shrugged it off as just another wrong-headed remark. She continues, Israeli Arabs represent 21% of Israel's population. Their civil rights are protected by the same laws that protect Jewish Israelis. They can live anywhere they choose. They're represented in the Knesset, the parliament. They even serve in the IDF saying they have to live in a restricted section in Jerusalem and equating their full civil rights to those of blacks living in the segregated South was so off the mark, people were gobsmacked. 
Yeah, good point. Good point, Twitter chicken. Let the record reflect that Hamas apologists, including Candace Owens, will lie like an oriental rug. We see you, Candace. So the Muslim Andrew Tate tweets out, Do not listen to the weak on how to become strong. They're not necessarily ignorant. They often know where they have failed, but the weak man is spiteful and treacherous. They will point you in the absolutely wrong direction. Misery loves company. He tweets that out on November 7th. Candace responds, correct. Now remember, Andrew Tate bases his worldview on the heresy of Islam. He rejects Christianity. But Candace, who claims to be a Christian, thinks Andrew Tate has everything all figured out. No worries, no worries. Tucker Carlson waiting in the wings planning to bail her out. Now, coming up, I'm going to tell you about Candace Owens' friendly interview with an out-and-out apologist for Hamas. But first, two days before she interviews the Hamas apologist on November 17th, Tucker Carlson has a friendly conversation and interview with Candace Owens on November 15th. And coming up, we're going to have some of the highlights from Tucker Carlson's very polite, friendly interview with Candace Owens right here on the Doc Washburn Show. Mike Lindell says because of your amazing support for MyPillow 2.0, he's expanded MyPillow's USA manufacturing and jobs. So he's clearing out his percale bed sheets by giving them to you at closeout prices. King size percale bed sheets, only $39 a set. Queen size, only $35 a set. Full size, $29 and twin size, just $25. Use promo code DWS to take advantage of this once in a lifetime offer. Right now, Mike's biggest My Slippers closeout sale ever is on. Get Mike's all season My Slippers and Sandals at clearance prices. Mike's all season Moccasin Slippers are just $25. Mike's My Slipper Sandals are just $19.50. They're both made with Mike's patented impact gel that absorbs and relieves pressure so you can comfortably wear them all day long. Just use promo code DWS for huge discounts. Remember, DWS stands for Doc Washburn Show. MyPillow.com quantities are extremely limited at these amazing prices, so please order now. Just use promo code DWS. You know, the great Ronald Reagan once said, inflation is as violent as a mugger, as frightening as an armed robber, and as deadly as a hitman. Have you thought about the benefits of investing in precious metals? Here are five profound benefits. Number one, investing in precious metals is a hedge against inflation. Number two, it's a great way to diversify your portfolio. Number three, asset liquidity. Number four, precious metals tend to be a store of value. They don't tend to depreciate over the long haul. And last but not least, number five, precious metals can be a hedge against geopolitical uncertainty and the struggling U.S. dollar. Andrew Sorcini with Beverly Hills Precious Metals has been involved in gold and silver for over 40 years. Beverly Hills Precious Metals brings precious metals to the homes of everyday American citizens. Mike Flynn told us about him. 
and they are our gold buyer of choice. To find out more, just Google Beverly Hills Precious Metals. Make sure you ask about the General Mike Flynn Silver Coin and tell them Doc Washburn sent you. Beverly Hills Precious Metals helps folks protect their finances, wealth, and investments. Hey, let me ask you something. Why continue shopping big box stores if you can get the items you need from a family-owned company? Now you can get around this crazy inflation by shopping factory direct at a family-owned, made-in-America manufacturer. Americans are walking away from the big box conglomerates and deciding to buy only USA. Join with fellow patriots to cut off the cash flow of the big woke corporations that are trying to destroy our country. These products include fresh American-raised beef, Raised in the Montana mountains near Yellowstone, this beef is known as never ever. Never has the animal ever been exposed to antibiotics, hormones, or vaccines. This prime or high-choice beef is shipped directly to your door. Pricing and availability is exclusive only to our members and isn't shipped anywhere else in the world. Let's start voting with our dollars to make sure our purchases are supporting companies that promote freedom. Email us at buyonlyusa at proton.me, and I'll have one of my guys contact you. Buyonlyusa at proton.me. All right. Two days before Candace Owens had a friendly interview with an out-and-out apologist for Hamas, which we will get to, Tucker Carlson had a friendly conversation, an interview with Candace Owens. On November 15th, here's some of the highlights. Let's start with Tucker's comment. He said, the Internet was dominated yesterday by a video of Ben Shapiro, who you work with at the Daily Wire, I think it's fair to say, attacking you. Here's the video. I just want to get your reaction to it. Yes, uh, and then the question is about Candace Owens. I think her behavior during this administration. Okay, then Tucker says, so maybe there's a point in the video where he explains exactly what you did wrong, how you were wrong. I haven't seen it. But to call somebody absolutely disgraceful, particularly a co-worker, seems like a pretty big step. And I really don't know the background here. What is that about? Now, before I share Candace Owens' response with you, how difficult do you think it would have been for Tucker to have watched the rest of the video or for Tucker to simply call Ben Shapiro and ask him what it was all about? If you don't think Tucker and Ben Shapiro know how to contact each other, you're not living in the real world. No, no. For some reason, Tucker only wants to present one side of the story, the side of the Hamas apologist. So here is Candace Owens' response. You know, there isn't much of a background. I saw the video when everybody else saw it when I woke up. Um, no one he, no one warned you about it? Nobody warned me about it. I, I, it looks like maybe he didn't know he was being recorded. It looks yes. like it was some sort of a private event. I got no clarity on the issue that he was particularly speaking on. And in what was said, 
I also, I can't respond to it beyond what he's saying because it's just ad hominem attacks. Oh. So, at this point, Tucker asks Candace Owens, has he texted you to apologize or explain anything? No, nothing. I haven't heard a single word. It just was sort of something that he said. And you know what? Ben, I have many disagreements, so I don't think that that's particularly something that's interesting. Um, we disagreed on the COVID vaccine. We disagree yes. on Ukraine and Russia. He has taken virtually every stance that has been the opposite of mine on every issue uh, over the last five years. So I don't think that that's particularly the COVID remarkable. Vaccine. Really, I didn't remember that. Yeah, he was pro the COVID vaccine. I was anti the vaccine. You know, we were all idiots for not getting the vaccine. So that's totally fine. I, I am totally open to people having a difference in opinion. Right. I would hope that amongst colleagues that it would always be civil disagreement, and I would never in a private event stand on a table and talk badly about Ben. Well, I mean, how could you? I mean, you support Donald Trump, who keeps telling us the COVID vaccine saved millions of lives. But Tucker ignores that just as much as Candace does, saying it's a little weird. He was on the left on the three biggest issues of our time. Is that what you're saying? He has converted his opinions. He's accepted responsibility. He said, you know, I was wrong about the vaccine. Oh, good. Good. Uh, he is, you know, obviously pro pharma. His mom's a doctor. And I say to people, I'm very aware of my perspectives on big pharma. And yes. I talk about it on my show openly. And I think that that's a tremendous credit to the Daily Wire that they allow a difference of opinions. But I would, I, as I said, hope that it would remain respectful yep. and that you wouldn't throw your colleagues um, under a bus, so to speak. Now, you know, it seems like this would be a good time to say, well, Ms. Owens, I wish you respected Israel instead of the jihadists of Hamas, but uh, what do I know? What do I know? Tucker's a professional journalist, so uh, he goes with, I, I think that's fair, but just for clarity, because I really don't know, is he your boss? Okay, wait, how many times is Tucker going to say, I really don't know? Is he going to turn into the 21st century version of Larry King right before our eyes? You remember Larry King, the guy who was so proud of the fact that he never researched anything, never actually prepared for an interview. Here's Candace. I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about uh, Ben's involvement. He's not he's not the CEO of the Daily Wire. He yes. is not making the data decisions of the Daily Wire. And I do want to make it very clear because people are like, how could you possibly stay at Daily Wire after this? I have a very good relationship with the co-CEOs, the Daily Wire. I, you know, especially right now, the acting CEO is uh, Caleb Robinson. He's a wonderful person. He's worked very hard to be where he's at. We have a lot in common that we connect on. And so people don't get to see that, which is unfortunate. You know, Ben lives in Florida. He's not a part of the day-to-day -day movement of the Daily Wire. You know, the rest of uh, the hosts have their shows situated in Nashville. So we see each other every day. We talk. There's great camaraderie. Yes. And there's actually more agreement. There's actually a lot of people that are, as I describe myself, just pro-America first. And I think I've been that way consistently throughout my political career. Whether people agree with it or not in different moments is up for debate. But there, I, I don't want that video to become a reflection of how the Daily Wire works and the Daily Wire operates because I have had a very good experience uh, with the CEOs and, you know, Love Michael Knowles, love Matt Walsh, yeah. Andrew Clavin. We all get along really great. Candace. Candace, if I may. Americans 
were murdered on October 7th, along with Israelis. Americans were taken hostage on October 7th, along with Israelis. You have not expressed one public word of concern for any of them. So no, you cannot honestly call yourself America first. Okay, so Tucker's next question strays perilously close to journalism when he says, give us the context of this debate. How are you on different sides of it? Talking about her and Ben Shapiro. He says, I haven't heard you endorsing Hamas. Well, Tucker, perhaps she hasn't openly endorsed Hamas, but she sure does use their talking points. I have not endorsed Hamas in any way, and yet people have interpreted things that I say, or actually rather things that I don't say. It's becoming very much reminiscent to me, and why I have used my platform to say this, of Black Lives Matter, huh. where if you don't say anything, they say your silence is violence. If you say something and it's even-handed and it's nuanced, which is to say, you know, during the times of Black Lives Matter, you might say, I don't support police brutality. Who no, does? I don't support racism. Who does? But also, I think that police are a crucial part of every uh, city. We need to have policing in cities so these calls to defund the police are immoral and wrong and are going to lead to more black deaths. People didn't want that nuance. When black life, following George Floyd, there was no nuance. You had to explicitly say defund the police. Um, you had to post a black square. If you didn't post a black square on Instagram, by the way, specifically on the platform of Instagram, and you maybe were busy that day, maybe you were in another country, you know, maybe you just didn't log on to Instagram, you were accused of being a racist. I'm seeing a lot of that behavior right now when it comes to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, a conflict that I have seen every single person, including myself, condemn what happened on October 7th. I have, because who wouldn't condemn terrorism? It's obvious. Right. Who would not condemn innocent Israelis dying? Ladies and gentlemen, what you just heard is a bald-faced lie. You can search Twitter for Candace Owens condemns Hamas or Candace Owens condemns terrorism. You can search Facebook for Candace Owens condemns Hamas or Candace Owens condemns terrorism. You can scour Google, Bing, DuckDuckGo, whatever search engine you want to use. You're not going to find it because she never said it. She just claims she said it, but that is a bald-faced lie. Now remember, this interview dropped seven and a half weeks after the slaughter and nothing nothing at all from candace owens now tucker has a staff he can research this kind of thing in advance of an interview if he wants to he can know the answer to the question before he even asked it if he wanted to but he's just gonna let her get away with this bald-faced lie. But if you then say that it is also sad when an innocent Palestinian child dies, suddenly this is pro-Hamas, or you need to say, even when you're talking about how sad it is that a child dies, you need to button that statement by saying, but that child was a human shield. That's not going to be my response. Um, first off, as a mother, that's not going to be my response as somebody who is about to, do, to give birth when I see these images of children yes. involved on both sides of the conflict. I've pointed to the, the people that are mocking dead Israeli children and said that they are horrific. Where? 
I certainly haven't seen you point to people mocking dead Israeli children and say that's horrific. Gentle listener, have I not taken you chapter and verse through part one of this whole thing and part two, which we're in now, have I not taken you chapter and verse through pretty much any and everything Candace Owens has said publicly about the whole Israeli-Hamas conflict from October 7th to November 15th? Have you heard one word of her expressing any kind of condemnation? Not just of people who mock dead Israeli children, but of anyone who said or did anything on the Hamas side? No, not one word. And what difference does you being pregnant have to do with, with, with refusing to condemn Hamas for intentionally putting children in harm's way? You are a mouthpiece for mass murderers, Candace Owens. You are a mouthpiece for Hamas, Candace Owens. But guess what? Tucker is going to let her get away with it. I am even keel on this matter, and yet people think that you need to be extreme. So people that have become more radical and extreme are perceiving a moderate stance as not enough. A moderate. Do you hear this foolishness? Candace Owens portrays herself as a so-called moderate between the bloodthirsty mass murderers of Hamas and the innocent victims, men, women, and children, murder victims in Israel. Tucker ignores the insanity, the impossibility of being a moderate in the war of savages against innocent families. He ignores her lies and follows up by saying, people can disagree with you or agree with you or whatever, but you certainly don't seem radical on this topic. Now, Candace's response is a little bit longer on this one. It's 80 seconds, but I think it's important that you hear it because I don't want anybody to think that I am taking anything out of context. I'm definitively not radical. Um, my stance has not changed in terms of whether or not America should be involved in this conflict, whether we were talking about Afghanistan, my comments have been clear. They've been documented for years. Whether we are talking about Ukraine and Russia, my comments have been clear and they have been documented. I mean, you can go back to me even talking about NATO expansion before things erupted between Russia and Ukraine yeah. and, and having a meaningful discussion about how much expansion is too much expansion. How would we feel if we had troops on our border? These are things that should be allowed in an academic discussion. You should be able to sit on stage and should be able to debate these ideas without using ad hominem attacks to say that you're a pro-Putin puppet or you're pro-terrorism, even in the aftermath of 9-11, something that we all remember as part of my childhood. I think I was in seventh grade at the time, and I'm born in the New York City area, so this was a very big deal. If a person the day after 9-11 wanted to debate the Patriot Act, it's not fair to call them terrorist sympathizers. No. Actually, they would have been proven right in the long run that act we gave up a lot of our freedoms, and I think there was only one congressman, a Republican, that was against the uh, the Patriot Act at that time. So it's important, actually, when you start making decisions in a highly emotional time that people sit down and have these academic debates. And there are people that are saying, no, it doesn't matter because people are dead, that you need to just choose a side. And that needs to be it. It needs to become tribal. How wrong can two people be? 
As Robert Spencer and Pamela Geller said years ago, when they created the Stop the Islamization of America initiative in any war between the civilized man and the savage, support the civilized man. Support Israel. Defeat jihad. Candace Owens is a so-called conservative social media influencer. It is a shame that she has chosen the wrong side. It is also a shame that she has chosen to lie about it. And furthermore, it's certainly a shame that Tucker Carlson is letting her get away with it. Gee, I wonder why. Maybe there's a clue in the next thing that Tucker says. There's also, I can't help but notice that I, I, your views reflect mine, I would say, pretty much. I'm, I'm an American. I was horrified by what happened on October 7th. It was pretty strange. Um, I don't really understand how it happened, but innocents died, and that's awful. And I hated watching that. And I feel so sorry for the Israelis um, who were killed. However, there's an emotional response that is disproportionate, I think, on the part of some commentators. I mean, our country's being invaded right now by millions of young men whose identities we don't know, who probably don't even like America, and they're now living here. Over 100,000 Americans die every year of fentanyl. I've known a couple. Those are real tragedies. I've never seen anything like the emotion from any commentator around those tragedies as I'm watching about a foreign tragedy. I think that's odd. Okay. There is a lot to unpack here in that 48-second clip. First of all, this. There's also, I can't help but notice that I, I, your views reflect mine, I would say, pretty much. I wish. Tucker has apparently been willing to give Candace Owens a pass because he thinks they're on the same page here. He couldn't be more wrong. Listen to the next clip very carefully. I'm, I'm an American. I was horrified by what happened on October 7th. I think it was pretty strange. Um, I don't really understand how it happened, but innocents died, and that's awful. And I hated watching that. And I feel so sorry for the Israelis um, who were killed. No, Tucker. Candace Owens does not agree with you. If she honestly felt as bad as you do about the innocent Israelis who were killed, I doubt she would have felt the need to lie to you by claiming that she had condemned the massacre when she did no such thing. You know, we all make mistakes. We've all had blind spots. It is a shame that Tucker Carlson has one with this person on this issue. All right, let's unpack the rest. However, there's an emotional response that is disproportionate, I think, on the part of some commentators. I mean... Our country's being invaded right now by millions of young men whose identities we don't know, who probably don't even like America, and they're now living here. And some of these young invaders have already killed Americans. And he kind of chuckles about this? What does the emotional response any moral person would have to the slaughter of the innocents on October 7th in Israel, have to do with the fact that our country is being invaded? How is the emotional response disproportionate to the horrifying slaughter the jihadists committed? Candace Owens keeps 
changing the subject. So why must you do the same thing? Over 100,000 Americans die every year of fentanyl. I've known a couple. Those are real tragedies. I've never seen anything like the emotion from any commentator around those tragedies as I'm watching about a foreign tragedy. I think that's odd. Okay, let me see if I can help you put this into perspective, Tucker. It is a tragedy when anyone overdoses on fentanyl, whether voluntarily or involuntarily, whether it's someone who lives in rural Arkansas or hardened criminal like George Floyd in Minneapolis, Minnesota. It's a tragedy either way. What Hamas and other residents of Gaza have done is much more horrifying by an order of many levels of magnitude, tying up parents, parents and children, and cutting off body parts as they were tortured to death, is much more horrifying than drug overdoses. Murdering young women while in the very act of raping them is much more horrifying than drug overdoses. It elicits a much more emotional response than a drug overdose. Tucker Carlson has always seemed to be a very intelligent, reasonable, compassionate man. It is mystifying to me that he would be stumped by something like this. And Candace Owens certainly isn't going to help him try to figure it out. At this point, she's probably just celebrating the fact that she put one over on him. And she really did. I think what, what tends to happen is, of course, we, we all have elements of selfishness within us. And so when it particularly pertains to an issue that impacts you, I, I was strongly speaking out against Black Lives Matter as an organization very early on as a conservative because I understood what the implications were going to be of defunding yes. the police. Right. It was an issue that was important to me. I created an entire documentary to talk about this issue. Yes. And I held on for a long time and people began to see that actually I was telling the truth and now we have more death in inner city communities than we had before. Yes. Um, these, these riots and these George Floyd protests calling for defunding of the police. And I think in terms of this, that's what's also happened is that people that are pro-Israel are pro-Israel, a lot of them, because they have family members in hey, Israel. I get it. They I have get homes it. in Israel. Yes. Yes. And so they feel very attached to this issue. And, you know, I was very happy to host somebody who was pro-Israel. He's a pro-Israel comedian on my show the other day. And I explained this to him. I said, you know, you are demanding that we have this same response that you are having about what people are saying on college campuses. No, Tucker, you don't get it. And no, Candace, no one had to demand that I feel a certain way, that I react a certain way to what these savages did to innocent men, women, and children on October 7th in Israel. No, Candace, I don't have family members in Israel. No, Tucker, I don't have a home in Israel. How outrageous for Candace Owens to again minimize October 7th by insisting that for so many people, the whole thing is tribal. And for Tucker to agree so emphatically is such a disappointment. Candace Owens goes on for a long time after that, but I think we've heard enough of that fiasco of an interview between Tucker Carlson and Candace Owens. All you need to have an emotional reaction to October 7th is compassion. Compassion for your fellow man. I don't know why Candace Owens would have to go to the lengths of lying to Tucker's face about this non-existent compassion on her part. Coming up, I will share with you what the editors of the David Horowitz Freedom Center 
say about why they have cut ties with Candace Owens after many years of supporting her. But first, again, just to put things into context, a mere 48 hours after Candace Owens' cordial sit-down with Tucker Carlson, she interviewed a guy named Norman Finkelstein on her own podcast. Now, Finkelstein has called Israel the Jewish supremacist state and says that Israel commits the crime of apartheid against Palestinians. He says Palestinians live under Israeli occupation. He compares their living conditions with the horrors the Nazis inflicted on the Jews during the reign of Hitler in Germany. So he's a raving lunatic. Now, we got a clip from Candace Owens' interview with Norman Finkelstein in which he pushes Hamas propaganda implying that Israel is intentionally trying to kill Arab babies in hospitals in Gaza. He speaks so movingly with video of babies in an incubator that Candace Owens, who was just about to deliver her third child, was visibly shaken. She appeared to be on the verge of tears. When I first saw this a few days ago, as I began researching this podcast, I tried to give Candace Owens the benefit of the doubt. She appeared to be young, ignorant, but having seen her lie to Tucker Carlson, I can no longer extend her that benefit. Even if I could, there's no such excuse for Finkelstein. He knows what he's doing. This is less than a minute long. Here's how it went. Every hospital in Gaza now has been disabled. You're an expectant mother. Imagine you, Candice. Your child is born prematurely and is put in an incubator where the fuel is cut off and your child that you've been carrying for nine months suffocates to death. Is that complicated? Does it require a PhD in Middle East studies to figure these things out? In my book, it's as complicated as my family, except for my mother and my father, being shoved into gas chambers. That's how complicated it is in my eyes. But Finkelstein is just so bad. Let me share with you what the great British conservative writer Douglas Murray said about Finkelstein. Murray was recently interviewed on Sky News by Piers Morgan right after Finkelstein had been on. And here's how it went. Piers Morgan asked Douglas Murray to respond to a rather long interview that Piers Morgan had just conducted with Finkelstein. 
Here's Douglas Murray. Uh, several things. I've followed the career of Norman Finkelstein for many years. Um, he's notorious for having destroyed his career by, among other things, weaponizing his parents being in the Holocaust to use his career to attack Israel in particular. Uh, I think all societies produce a type of sociopath and psychopath. And I do think that Norman Finkelstein is just such a person. If I could give just one example. He repeatedly in that interview referred to Gaza as a concentration camp. Gaza is no such thing as a concentration camp, and Norman Finkelstein knows that very, very well. Every single Jew was removed from Gaza forcibly in 2005 by the Israeli government. In 2006, the people of Gaza had an election and they elected Hamas. Hamas proceeded to kill Fatah and other Palestinians who did not agree with Hamas. And if anyone is responsible for making Gaza into a prison camp, it is Hamas that uses places like the Shifa Hospital as torture chambers for Palestinians. Now, here's another oddity about it. He kept saying concentration camp about Gaza. Do you, peers know anybody who got out of a concentration camp in 1945 and proceeded to go next door and behead and rape everyone they could find. I don't. But only Norman Finkelstein finds these kinds of comparisons to make and makes them willfully. And by the way, and shame on him for this, what we just heard was Holocaust denial in real time. He pretends we don't know what happened on the 7th of October. We do know. We do know. And if he doesn't believe the reports he reads, and if he doesn't believe all of the international media, he should have come with me this morning to the pathology department here in Tel Aviv, where they are still trying to work out who the bodies are that are arriving. I was standing this morning in Tel Aviv in the mortuary with the doctors who are trying to work out the identities still of the people killed that day. There is so little of some of them, peers, that they can't even extract DNA from them. There is so little of them that sometimes it turns out what was thought to be the charred remains of one person is the remains of two people. People arrive in bags, peers. They arrive in bags with little bits of what is left of their body and maybe a bit of a mobile phone. There was the skull of what I said that must be a child's skull. And one of the experts there in the mortuary said actually we don't know because the fire in the house that the Hamas lit was so intense in its heat it could have been a young man's skull that was warped into a smaller size by the heat so if Norman Finkelstein practicing his holocaust denialism in real time actually wants to practice any of the academic pursuit he has spent his career not pursuing then I would urge him to go like I did and see the body bags in the mortuary here and see what Hamas did that day. It is disgusting that Norman Finkelstein uses his late parents to defame Israel, to def- pretend that Israel are the Nazis in this situation. All societies produce sick individuals, but very few people have been produced who are quite as sick as Norman Finkelstein. Now I got to tell you something. I did days and days and days of research for all this. But I flat refused to watch Candace Owens give a platform for this horrible Finkelstein monster to spread his Jew hatred, his blood libel. It's outrageous that she did. I wonder if Tucker Carlson had any idea that 48 hours 
After he dropped his interview with Candace Owens, she would drop her interview with this Hamas apologist, this Norman Finkelstein. We'll probably never know. So, Piers Morgan follows up on what you just heard from Douglas Murray by asking him, would you ever debate with him? And here is Douglas Murray's response. I said to you, I refuse. I refuse for one straightforward reason, is that I know a very, very few people I would, I, I would say I don't debate with. But Norman Finkelstein is one of them. Most people I know in academia stopped having anything to do with him many decades ago. When he wrote his book, The Holocaust Industry, in 2000, claiming that the Jews were using the Holocaust to sort of make money from and so on, most people wanted to be nowhere near such a fetid individual. I don't think he's somebody you can debate with because I do not want to debate with a Holocaust denier in real time any more than I would debate with a Holocaust denier who was denying the last Holocaust. This was the biggest murder of Jews since the Holocaust and shame on Norman Finkelstein for trying to pretend that that didn't happen or happened differently in real time. It's disgusting. Yes, it is disgusting. Thank you, Douglas Murray. By the way, I had to look up fetid. I've heard of the word before. I didn't know what it meant. Such a fetid individual. It means having an offensive odor, having an offensive smell, stinking, foul-smelling, stinking. Yes, indeed. So you want to know what's also disgusting? The fact that Candace Owens obviously believes Norman Finkelstein. She trusts him. Okay, now let's let's get the the timeline right here. Tucker Carlson interviews Candace Owens, puts it online, late afternoon, early evening, November 15th. Almost exactly 48 hours later, November 17th, Candace Owens puts her interview with Norman Finkelstein online. And then three days later, November 20th, the editors of the David Horowitz Freedom Center dropped an op-ed at frontpagemag.com entitled, Goodbye, Candace, a statement by the David Horowitz Freedom Center. And it goes like this. Six years ago, the David Horowitz Freedom Center invited the then little-known Candace Owens to its annual Restoration Weekend gathering of conservative movers and shakers. Candace later said, this really is the conference where everything started for me. I started my career, my political career on YouTube, making just funny satirical videos, and I got an email from David Horowitz inviting me to this conference And let me just tell you what a big deal it was for me. I had no connections whatsoever. At this conference, she met Charlie Kirk and connected with his nationwide student organization, Turning Point USA, and became a national figure. The David Horowitz Freedom Center went on promoting Candace, honored her with an Annie Taylor Award for Courage in 2018, and hosted her at multiple events. That's why... We are so disappointed in what she has become. Back then, she laid out an ambitious plan to move the black vote 20 points by 2020. It's not clear what happened to that, 
Instead of liberating the black community, Candace began giving platforms to anti-Israel voices like Andrew Tate, a Muslim convert who said that ISIS are the real Muslims because ISIS do exactly what the book says. The David Horowitz Freedom Center has previously criticized Candace's promotion of Tate, but because of our history with Candace and our hope that she would pull out of this spiral, we did not make an issue of it. The atrocities of October 7, the appearance of ignorant mobs in the U.S. chanting Hitler was right and supporting the Hamas terrorists, and Candace's moral equivalence about these neo-Nazis have changed the stakes. We have decided to issue the present statement because of her recent promotion of Hamas's genocidal lies. For example, she has falsely compared Israel to the segregated South. This is the sort of ignorant apartheid state slander that we expect from Black Lives Matter and the Jew killers of the Middle East. When Candace implied that Israel was engaged in genocide for defending itself against the atrocities committed by Hamas, that's the kind of genocidal lie we expect to hear from Hamas. And when she suggested that to remove the Hamas auxiliary, students for justice in Palestine from campuses would increase anti-Semitism, that's what we expect to hear from the New York Times. It's not what we at the Freedom Center stand for, and it's not what the patriotic movement we have been helping to build over the last 35 years represents. Instead of focusing on the meaningful activism and defense of American values that brought her to our attention, Candace Owens has become obsessed with her own fame. Stirring up drama to compensate for a lack of real achievement. Her comments about Israel and her promotion of people like Andrew Tate are part of a pattern. Candace tackles a subject she knows nothing about, never bothers to learn anything about it, and then rides the backlash by playing the victim to generate more fame and money. What a tragic misuse of talents. In 2018, Candace tweeted that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was clueless. She's programmed to hate Israel, and she has no idea why. Now, she has become AOC. Candace hates Israel for the same reason that AOC does, fame. She proved that she knows as little about Israel as AOC does when she falsely claimed that the Muslim quarter in Jerusalem is the only place that Muslims are allowed to live, thus, quote, proving, unquote, the Hamas canard that Israel practices apartheid. It does not. But this is not just about Israel. It's about the survival of Western civilization, which the Islamic jihadis have been working to destroy. And it's about the sad caricature that Candace has become and the end of the promise we saw in her. The David Horowitz Freedom Center wishes to express its deep disappointment with Candace's ignorant, hateful, and morally obtuse remarks about Israel and the Jews. 
But of course, it's not just about the Jews. The Jews are the canaries in the coal mine. The West is next, and America above all. It's one thing to have been alive in the 30s and not realize where the Nazis were heading. It is quite another to be alive during a 75-year campaign by Islamic jihadis to finish the job that Hitler started and fail to stand against their open campaign to create a second holocaust. Here is the irony that the so-called pro-Palestinian left and Candace fail to grasp. For nearly two decades, Israel and the West sent millions in humanitarian aid to Gaza, which was used instead by the, by the Hamas government to build 300 miles of terrorist tunnels and turn Gaza into a military base sending thousands of rockets into civilian areas in Israel. War crimes. Where were the protests in Gaza and on college campuses then? They were demonstrating on behalf of the war criminals. We are in a civilizational war, and Candace is either on the sidelines or actively supporting the crusade against the West. We at the Freedom Center remain committed to finding and supporting the activists who will do the work rather than chase the cliques, who will stand up for freedom and the sanctity of human life, who will refuse to compromise with evil and retreat into a delusional isolationism that says if the evil doesn't affect me immediately, I don't really care about its victims or the future that it intends. Goodbye, Candace. We will continue to support those who truly strive to raise up the movement for liberty and life, not selfishly tear it apart. So that was the op-ed at frontpagemag.com entitled Goodbye, Candace, a statement by the David Horowitz Freedom Center. And I think that speaks for itself. Time for the tweet of the day, which is brought to you by Red River Auto. Red River Auto is the big old car dealership, middle of the USA, that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice at redriverauto.com. Have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental USA. Today's tweet of the day is uh, it's a three-parter. It begins with uh, a guy who calls himself Zoran Kwame Mamdani. He's a New York State Assembly member for District 36 up there in uh, New York. Says he believes in housing, justice, and energy for all. He's a socialist. So Zoran Kwame Mamdani out there on Twitter says, We've now been on hunger strike here in Washington, D.C. for four days. Four days without any food. Four days of just water, Gatorade, and coconut water. Four days of sitting outside of the White House in the cold, calling on Prez Biden to support a permanent ceasefire. So that's, that's, that's part one of the tweet of the day. The second part is from a guy who goes by 
Spud Islander 35, and whose Twitter profile says, careful boy, I'm old for good reason. So he responds to Zoran Kwame Mamdani and his four-day hunger strike outside the White House demanding a ceasefire over there between Israel and Hamas. He says, oh, look at you, those cute little signs. Aren't you adorable? Seriously, you need to quit with the fluid intake if you want anyone to take you seriously. I would try gluing my head to the pavement, too. I'm told that helps. I responded with a De Niro from Goodfellas saying, You, you are good, my friend. No, no, you're good. And then I jumped in. I said, again, responding to Zoran Kwame Mamdani. Hey, guys, look. When you decide to break your fast, fly on down to Little Rock, Arkansas, and we'll take you out for some pulled pork barbecue and beer. I'm buying. Have a great time in the meantime, and enjoy our nation's capital. And that is today's Tweet of the Day, brought to you by Red River Auto. Big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice. At RedRiverAuto.com, have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental USA. Okay, so you've been listening to episode 417 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. If you have any questions for us, email us at contact at DocWashburnShow.com. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a Terribly Messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smooth Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier the 10th. Senior Vice President, Engineering, IT, and Interoperability for the Doc Washburn Show. And that's the way it is, Friday, December 1st, 2023.